y'all doing this morning? Everybody have a good weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been a good week. I say I've been I've been moving into a house over here close to the church, and I had Jack Carpenter come out and put some gutters on my house the other day, and and I laughed because I thought I thought of these first two songs this week because he was talking to my wife and telling her how good a job she'd done fixing certain things up. And she told him, when I, when I start working on a project, I don't quit till I'm done. And I looked at Jack, and I told him, I said, well, that probably means I'm going to live to be about 95 or 100 at least. So, so I'm feeling pretty good this week. So I, I'm doing good. And it made me think of how Scripture says, you know, that God says that once he begins a good work in us, he, he brings it to fruition, right? He, he doesn't stop until it's complete. And it, it made me think of these songs, that he's forever faithful and that his grace is greater than our sins. So let's stand together this morning. Let's start off by singing that. that give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise with a mighty hand. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm. His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong. Forever God is with us Forever Forever From the rising to the setting sun His love endures forever And by the grace of God we will carry on His love endures forever Sing praise Sing Sing praise, sing praise, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, sing that again one more time, he is, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong. Greater than all our sin, let's sing that. He is grace. Over this grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount, I'll hold. Grace that will pardon and cleanse 
forever faithful, Lord, and that your grace is greater than our sin, Lord. We just praise you and thank you this morning, Lord, for loving us too, uh, too much, Lord, to leave us alone, and that once you start uh, start a work in us, Lord, that you, uh, you bring it to fruition and that you keep working on us until it's done. And we just praise you and thank you for that in your holy name. Amen. Well, amen. So good to see everybody here this morning. It's a cool morning, but glad you came out to join us for worship today. Hey, good to have guests here. Always good to have guests. Would you do us the favor of taking that guest card and uh, completing it, dropping it in the offering plate? We'd love to uh, add you to our email list uh, so we can send you a letter and emails, those kinds of things, and let you know of things going on here at Indian Springs. Speaking of those things, hey, if you haven't gotten into experiencing God, we meet on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Okay, we've already had to move. The women kicked the men out of the fellowship hall. We've already moved into the worship center, all right? So, again, we've got a good group, but if you want to be a part of Experiencing God, you, you need to, to come on in this week so that you won't be behind as you get in there. We've got plenty of room, and uh, it's a large group, but it works like a small group because we work around tables. So hopefully we'll have the best of both worlds. The women will meet in the fellowship hall. The men will meet here in the back of the worship center. So, so join us for that, okay? Also, you, you'll notice that the men's Bible study, uh, the book of Hebrews, that is going as well. They had a full room rent Wednesday night also. So uh, we, we had about 150 adults here in Bible study on Wednesday night. So I'm excited about that and about what God is going to do in our lives as, as a result of that. Also, you'll notice next Sunday is, is a very special Sunday because we're going to have our deacon ordination. And we're going to do it in both services. Okay? So some of our deacons will be, uh, be ordained in the early service and some will be ordained in the second service, the late service. So both, both services will have an opportunity to, uh, to experience that. Also, uh, one, one final thing I want you to notice that divorce care and grief share, okay, we're, we're doing, because we've had such a demand and, and such participation, we're going to do a spring session of that, and that will begin on February the 9th, okay, we, we're going to start on February 2nd, but remember, that was an important day, that was Super Bowl Sunday, so we had to move it to February <laughs> 9th, okay, so starting on February the 9th, divorce care, grief share, divorce care for kids, that starts at 5 o'clock. All right, 
And also, we're looking, if you, if you have an interest in experiencing God, but you just can't come on Wednesday night, okay? If we have enough people that would like to, we will do an experiencing God group on Sunday night as well. David and Kathy Fogarty will lead, will lead that group. So that if you've got an interest in that on Sunday night, uh, please let me know that as well. All right? Hey, you look way too comfortable. So, hey, turn, greet one another. Let them know you're glad they're in Indian Springs today. <laughs> Jesus, 
Almighty God, send your Holy Spirit upon this place today, Lord, and help us to get to the point that we do glorify your name, and that, Lord, that we cease to think about ourselves, but we think about you and where you are, Lord, and we seek to get to where you are instead of wanting you to come to where we are. God, help us to understand that it's all about you. And Lord, I just want to lift up Brother Tom this morning to you, Lord, as he steps to bring your word. Just uh, give him preaching grace, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word through your Holy Spirit. Bless this offering now, Lord. Help us as a church to be good stewards of what you provide us with, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I got involved with drugs, alcohol, uh, prostitution. I was just trying to find something to fill the void that was in my life. I thought maybe if I had more things or had more drugs, or maybe that would be the solution, but it wasn't. It was a park similar to this right here, uh, occupied by homeless. And I remember that, that Saturday morning, I had got up early, took a couple of hits of acid, tooted some coke, and I went for a walk in that county park in Battle Creek, Michigan. Here I was, a reject from the military. My third wife then walked out on me, and I just felt there's nothing else left but to commit suicide. But then there were some men in the park that day. They was witnessing to the homeless, and they were giving them these little testaments. And one of them came up to me, had a big smile on his face, and he said, do you know Jesus? And that young man, he took that little testament and he opened it and he showed me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I personalized that. For God so loved Leroy Kennedy that he gave his only begotten son. Then he opened it to the book of Romans and he showed me how I can pray and ask Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. It was that day I prayed. I asked Jesus to forgive me. I asked him to come into my heart, clean up my life, and to make me somebody. And the Lord heard that prayer, and the Lord answered that prayer. And I want you to know I was instantly healed from my dependency of drugs. And I, the rehab centers didn't do it, but when I asked Jesus to come into my life, my life was cleaned up, and I was clear-headed of the drugs. And you know, for the first time, that void that I had been carrying around all of my life, all of a sudden it was, I felt like a new person. I, I felt whole, I felt complete.
Well, good morning, church. I'm glad that you're here. What an awesome testimony of what God does when God's word is proclaimed, when God's word is shared, when God's word is spoken. I want you to take your Bible this morning. I want you to go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 in a moment. I'm going to be reading a few verses to you every year. We uh, take a Sunday to share a little bit with you about the Gideon ministry. But it also gives me an opportunity to share with you about how I feel about God's Word and the value of God's Word in our lives. Let me just take a moment to tell you a little bit about Gideon's, okay? I want to give you some facts, and hopefully at the end of the service, there should be some men here uh, standing at the doors, and if you feel led, you can give them some money, and and, uh, the money will be used, of course, to buy Bibles. The Gideon Ministry is a group of businessmen who have committed themselves to place Bibles in as many places as God gives opportunity all over the world. They ask no salary. They ask for no money for themselves. All of the money that is given, the money, we, as a church, we uh, monthly, we support the local Gideon camp and, and whatever you give at the end of the service, if you feel led to do that. What I want you to know is none of the money goes to them. All of the money will go to purchase Bibles, to give away Bibles, the Word of God, and place it in the hands of young boys and girls and, and uh, adult men and women here and all over the world. Let me just kind of share some of that with you. In our, in our local area, a thousand New Testaments will be given to fifth graders, Justin Benton, uh, Brian and Boxsite alone, over 600 hotel rooms, over 200 nursing homes in this area. And Bryant will receive Bible. Benton has a camp as well, and, and so Benton will receive also. There are over 195 countries involved in Gideon's, 95 different languages helping to distribute and share the Word of God. Last year, listen to this, last year, over 50 million Bibles were given away worldwide. There's a camp in Macedonia, in fact, several camps in Macedonia where my son ministers. A valuable asset to their work is they try to share the Word of God. Emphasizing Gideon's also allows me to share with you why I believe the Word of God is very important. It could be, beloved. I, I preach at you. I, uh, I step on your toes quite often about God's Word. And maybe you get tired of that. Maybe you say, why does he do it over and over again? He tells us we need to be in a small group. We need to be in a Sunday school group. And the reason we do that is because that's where the Word of God is taught. And I know that it's crucial to your growth as a Christian. It gives you an opportunity to hear the Word of God. I, I fuss at you. you got to come to church, not to hear me. I was not sure I'd come to hear me, but to come to church. Why? Because it puts you in an environment where God's Word will be shared, and we try to drill into you some of the great truths of the Word of God. Why do we over and over admonish you and challenge you to have a a quiet time? Why do I say to you, and especially to the young couples and especially to the young men, 
You have to meet with God on a regular basis. You have to take the Word of God and you have to read it. And you have to meditate on it. And you have to think about it. You got to memorize it. And you have to apply it. Why do we do that? To add something to your busy schedules? To load you up with one more thing to do? No. Gang, I know, and I hope by now you know, that the only thing that will change your life is God's special revelation. That is God's Word. That is the Bible. We can look around and see God's common revelation everywhere. We can see it in the mountains and the stars and the skies and the seas. But his special revelation, that revelation that redeems the lost soul, that revelation that changes lives here and now and throughout eternity is found in the Word of God. God communicates to us through his Word. You want direction for life? You want help in making decisions? You want encouragement in difficult times? I believe that God's word alone gives life from an eternal perspective. Our commitment as pastors here, mine and Don and all the rest, has always been to do our very best on every Sunday to give you something that you can take away and apply. And the reason we do that is that because we know that only the Word of God and the souls of men will live in eternity. Everything else will fade away. Everything else will rust away. Everything else will rot away. But the Word of God endures forever. And so that's going to be my subject today. Here's our question. Why is... God's Word so important. Would you stand with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3? Let's honor God by standing and reading His Word. 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 3. Let's begin reading verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then notice verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for this purpose, verse 17, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Father, help me today. I feel the pressure of sharing why the word of God is so important. Therefore, I feel the pressure of the enemy. God, I pray I can take these verses. I pray I can unpack the verses 
God, in a way that you'll be honored, in a way that will challenge our people so that we might understand that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the very mouth of God. I pray for your help today in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, gang. Be seated. Let me, let me share the outline that we're going to follow this morning, okay? Why is the word of God important to you? Well, we're going to see in verse 16 that it's important, first of all, because God produced it. We live in a world that questions even if there is a God. But we're going to see from these words that God produced his word, and whatever God produces, I suggest that we do well to pay attention to and apply it to our life. God produced it. It's important because man profits from it. And let me just tell you, I started to say Christians profit from it, but I changed that to man for two reasons. Number one, Christians ought to know that we profit from the word of God, right? Surely. But the word of God has benefited the world. Our nation has benefited, even if some of our people in our nation don't believe it, we as a nation have benefited from the word of God. George Washington says you can't even have a government without it. And so there's a value in the word of God for a nation. And so I changed it that man profits from it. And number three, there's value in the word of God because I believe the church is to proclaim it. Listen to my heart, gang. I, in fact, I, I, was, I, I was talking to a friend just a couple days ago. And he asked me how long I'd been in ministry, and I told him, you know, close to 30 years now. And he said, how do you, how do, you do it? How do you every week stand up and sometimes struggle through, we do, but every week you stand before people and you share, how have you been able to do that for 30 years? And I said to him, well, number one, I can't sing. People would leave. I can't tell jokes because nobody laughs. I can't tell stories because stories run out. I've discovered that every time I take the Bible and study the Bible, that there's something new and fresh every week. And you may be 20, you may live to be over 100, but there's something in God's Word that you can read and study and apply to your life. It never gets old. And you never run out of something to say. As long as the church believes it, and as long as pastors proclaim it. I understand it can be packaged better by others. I understand it can be put together by others. But I want to tell you, gang, anytime we step outside the Word of God, then we begin to have problems, and we begin to fail. I'm going to the prison tonight. I, Gail and I, I've been going with Gail down to prison about once a month and, and preach. It's captive audience. Man, I love it, you know. No one runs out on you. 
And, uh, I, and I, I go in every month. And I think to myself, Tom, what do you got to say to these ladies? What do you got? I've not walked in their shoes. And I don't know the pain and the problems they've had. I don't know the decisions that they made that were wrong that caused them to be. I don't know any of that. But here's what I do know. That God's word is alive. That it's active and it's powerful. And I shared in a funeral just a couple days ago, it'll save folks from the guttermost to the uppermost. And only the word of God will do that in the church is to proclaim it. That's not my sermon. That's just my introduction, okay? I want you to look at verse 16 with me, okay? Why is it important? Because God produced it. Look at verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. Literally, it is God-breathed. That's what, It's only used here in the New Testament. Nowhere else do you see this word. It's God-breathed. And while we may say inspired, better would be expired because it literally means to breathe out, not in. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's not Tom. And it's not Don. And it's not Gail or Mark or Stu. It's not your Sunday school teacher that makes it happen. It is God, and when we stick with God, and when we speak about God and the things of God, it's breathed out by God. And Paul desires us to know that the Bible has its origin from the breath of God, the divine breath. The Bible we preach, and the Bible we teach, and the Bible we read is the only truth that comes from the very mouth of God. Now, beloved, we preachers, I know you think we just work on Sunday for a couple hours, okay? But the fact is, we work hard at what we do. It's hard work to dig golden nuggets. There's a lot of hours, and there's a lot of intimidation. And, and we know that on any given Sunday, when we stand and we try to proclaim God's truth, we know that there's humanity in it. We know there's a sense by which we can't do it. But we also know that when we open the Bible and when we read the Bible, then God can do some amazing things. I, I was in a, um, a somewhat of an argument with, young pre with a young preacher one time. And, uh, you know, older preachers argue with young preachers because young preachers think they know it all. And older preachers know they don't know squat, right? Isn't that about how it goes? And uh, I, uh, I was... I was <laughs> In, in an argument with him, and we were talking about church, we were talking about preaching, we were talking about, you know, all this new fad of these feel-good stuff that goes around, you know, band-aids, and, you know, it never gets down to the under-the-surface things, you know. And I, I said to this young preacher, I want to tell you the most important thing you'll ever say on Sunday morning. What's that? I said, the most important thing you'll ever say on Sunday morning is, let's take our Bible and let's open our Bible. And he couldn't stomach it. No, you got to tell a story. You got to tell a joke. I said, No, I don't. I say, Let's take our Bible. Let's open our Bible. Why? Because the Bible has the very breath of God. There's something supernatural, it's a special revelation of God that'll literally change the whole focus and perspective of your life. A great preacher of 
Years gone by, John R. W. Stott said, it originated in God's mind, was communicated from God's mouth by God's breath. I like that. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. That he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. I want to suggest something to you here. That in a world that seems to be so corrupt, in a world where so many people have so many agendas of self-promotion, with sin running rampart, we desperately need today. In our churches, and in our community, and in our nation, we desperately need to hear the voice of God. And it's only when we hear the truth of God's word can we know what is counterfeit truth, which is almost an oxymoron, huh? It's knowing God's word and knowing God's word intimately can we spot that which is counterfeit. God's revelation to us, the inspired word of God, is the only truth that we can count on in this fallen world world, beloved. Ideas, feelings, opinions, even if they're well-intentioned, they all fail. Why do you need the Word of God in your life? Why will you always hear me fussing at you, challenging you, beating you over the head with a 20-pound Bible? Why? Because God produced it. And if God produced it, I think I'm smart enough and you're smart enough to know we need it. Amen. Number two, look at verse 16 also. Man profits from it. Look at verse 16. And is profitable for. You see that? The word profitable is a word which literally, it literally means to gain an advantage. Let me, let me give you an example. When I, um, when I got out of college, I went to work in the oil industry. I went to work in sales. And... Uh, my, my responsibility in sales was to uh, sell drilling rigs and pipe casing and tubing for wells, okay? And one of the things that, that they, they took us aside many times and trained us for, not, not to know our products, they, they knew we better know our If we didn't know our product, we weren't going to last. Right? Andy, if you don't know your product, you're not going to last long, right? See, they, they, they expected us to know our products. What they spent so much time and investment in to us is that we might gain an advantage on how we could communicate the value of what we believed into our customers. It gained us an advantage over our... That's what this word means. This word profitable literally means to gain an advantage. When we know the Word of God, when we believe the Word of God, when we apply the Word of God, we have an advantage in our life over those who don't. Paul says God's word is what helps us gain an advantage over the philosophy and the ideas of this fallen world. It's God's word that sets the very core values of our life. Listen, if you don't have some core values, you're going to be a, 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 like a ship being tossed by every wind that comes along, you see. There has to be some core. There, I told my Sunday school class just a couple weeks ago. I told those young couples, there has to be some core 
values that you can write down, that you will build your life and your marriage, and if God gives you kids around, you got to have some cores. Well, the cores are the Word of God. And you're not going to get that from Wall Street. And you're not going to get that from Main Street. You get it from heaven, from the very breath of God. Now, I want you to notice here that it applies to two areas. Verse 15, look there for a moment. It applies to salvation. From a childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Gang, listen to me. You can't be saved apart from God's Word. God's Word shows us that man is born in and lives in sin. In fact, God's Word shows us that man enjoys his sin. There's something about sin. There's something about the darkness that, that, that attracts us. And we only find that truth in God's Word. It shows us that man is born in sin. And as soon as he's old enough to do anything, guess what he does? He sins. I told that, that memorial service. I, I said, you know, uh, one of the things, I've got two kids and four grandkids. And, and, and one of the things that I've learned and my kids are learning is we, we don't sit down and say, okay, kids, today we're going to start teaching you how to be bad. Huh? The first words out of their mouth is mine. Isn't that right? Why? Because there's something inside of them that likes to sin. And the Word of God shows us that. The Word of God shows us that man can never achieve enough merit points to have access to the throne of God. He's not good enough, can never be good enough, can't reform himself enough. The Word of God alone shows us that the way to God is the way of his mercy, the way of grace alone, with no help by man's best effort. And the word of God shows us that man is saved according to the kind intention of God's will, not man's will or man's desire. Turn the page back. I think we, yeah, we have time. Turn the page back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Listen to this great, great statement of salvation. 2 Timothy 1, beginning verse 8. Therefore, he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Now notice, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. The word of God shows us that we are saved not as a result of our desires, because we don't desire God. Not uh, as a result of our sin. We're not seeking after God, folks. We're loving our sin on our way to hell, loving every minute of it. But we are saved through the calling of God according to the kind intention of his will. The scriptures, the word of God talks to us about salvation. But not just salvation, sanctification. Let's go back to that verse 16. It's profitable for some things, he says. What's it profitable for? Well, first of all, teaching. That's the knowledge of truth. 
Your Bible may have doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. Let me tell you a story. I was talking to a friend of mine who, who loves God and, and, and works all over the world. And we were talking about some doctrinal issues. We were talking about some, some core values. And uh, we, we got into a little bit of a debate. Not, not bad because we love each other and he's bigger than me, so I'm too old to fight and too slow to run, you know. And so we were kind of talking a little bit, and he said, you know, I, I don't understand all that stuff. He said, I really don't want to know all that stuff. All I want to do is just kind of teach and preach Jesus. And I told him, I said, I mean, that, that sounds really good, but it's wrong. Why can it be wrong? Because Jesus without truth is not Jesus. See, Jesus without some kind of doctrinal truth is a figment of our imagination. It's an, it's an idol of our imagination. There has to be a foundational truth by which we pin our eternity. And the Word of God is profitable for teaching. Number two, for reproof. What is that? Well, that's warnings. It's profitable for pointing out the danger. Sometimes you say, well, you know, you really stepped on our toes today. That's that word reproof. I hope I do, you know. Of course, sometimes they say, well, you really stepped on their toes. I didn't need that, you know. Well, you know, reproof. Stepping on toes. Pointing out dangers. It's profitable for correction. What is that? Well, I think that's calling out error based with truth, balanced with truth, certainly, you see. God's truth not only is restrictive in some sense, but it's restorative. It tells us what is wrong, but it also tells us what is right. There's a correction there. In fact, the word correct means to sit upright or to stand upright or to straighten up. You ever told your kids, hey, you better straighten up? I remember Mama saying, you better straighten Tom? She'd always say Thomas Edward. I knew I was in trouble. Thomas Edward, if you don't straighten up, wait till your daddy comes home. huh? Well, that's kind of what this term means. It means to sit up, straighten up. Get right. And then training in righteousness. Now, I want you to listen to me. One of the things that Don harps on, and I know you get tired of Don harping on you, but he's doing it right, okay? He harps on us about discipleship you, doesn't he? Is it in every bulletin? Doesn't he challenge you? He got up here a little bit ago, and he just scolded you about, about uh, uh, coming to... Uh, Experiencing God, okay? Now, why would he do that? You listen to me. He knows, I know, and you should know that discipleship is a learned discipline. You don't get discipleship by all of a sudden you're a Christian, you go to church, and whoop, you're a disciple. No, 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 no. Discipleship is a learned discipline. And you only get that by taking God's word and applying God's word to life situations. What did the disciples do? They hung out with Jesus. They were content to walk with Jesus. They learned discipleship by listening to and applying the word of God. Now listen to me about something. You don't need counseling nearly as much as you think you do. You need to read, you need to meditate, you need to learn, 
And you need to apply God's word to your life. When you do, you'll be amazed how well you'll cope with life's challenges that come along. Is marriage tough? Certainly it's tough. Can I get an amen, ladies? Oh, yeah. Is it hard? Oh, be hard. Come hang out with me at my house. Sure, it's hard. Is living life hard? Yeah. You ever had a boss you didn't like? Don't, Don, at least don't raise your hand. Huh? Is life tough? Yes, it is. What helps us? Applying God's truth to our lives and allowing him to make adjustments in our life. By the way, the word training that Paul uses here is a term which means to raise a child or child rearing. As parents, we're to educate our kids in the same way. In our sanctification process, our maturing process, God educates us. Warren Wearsby, who I think is just a marvelous writer, I, he writes things that I, when I get through reading, I think, why didn't I write that? I could have wrote that. Why did he write it? Why did God let him do it? He should let me do it. That's how good he is. Here's what he says about verse 16. It's profitable for teaching because that's what is right. For reproof, it tells us what is not right. For correction, how to get right. For instruction, how to stay right. I like that. Teaching what is right, reproof what is not right, correction how to get right, and instruction how to stay right. And so the reason the Word of God is important Number one, God produced it. And if it's from God, I suggest it's important. Amen? That man profits from it. And number three, if you'll look at verse 17, I'll wrap this up. The church is to proclaim it. If you're a Bible scribbler, I would circle in verse 17 that those first two little words, so that, okay? Those two little words, really it's one word in the original, it, it shows us the ultimate purpose of this text, okay? The Word of God points to this conclusion, that the man of God, which is salvation, will be adequately equipped, with, which is sanctification, for every good work. That's what Paul is saying here. Let me give you my definition, okay? That every saved person will have all the adjustments made to him so that he will have the ability to do everything God desires for him. That's what it says to me. That every saved person will have all the adjustments made to him so that he will have the ability to do everything God desires of him. And gang, listen, that's all God ever asks from anybody. He doesn't ask me to, to preach uh, beautiful messages or Don to preach beautiful messages. He, he, he doesn't ask Stu to sing beautiful songs. Are these precious ladies and, and some of the guys to sing beautiful songs? He doesn't ask teachers to teach the most awesome. He asks us to do the best that we can with what he's given to us. To be faithful. I was talking to a new friend this week, he said, and it had nothing to do with church, but he said, this is my ministry. 
And I like that. You may think, well, I'm just a secretary. No, you're a minister of secretaries. Secretarism. I'm a school teacher. No, you're a minister of kids. I'm a, I'm a, what are you? I'm retired. You ain't nothing, okay? Whatever you are, it's your ministry. You see, Steve, it's your ministry, Steve, at Bass Pro. Praise God! What a ministry, brother. You know, I you're not supposed to be envious, but there's a part of me that's just in sin right here. You know, it's your ministry, and you become equipped through the working of God's word in this in conjunction of the, with the Spirit of God to adapt you to everything you should do. And we as the body of Christ, we as the bride of Christ, we as the building of Christ, we are to proclaim the riches of Jesus Christ. Now, let me close with what Paul, look at chapter 4. This is our ending, okay? And let me tell you, I, Wednesday night, I, uh, I had someone who, I teach in the preteens on Wednesday night, and and uh, I had one of our teachers come up and said, my, my daughter said, you know, and they were laughing about it. They said, you know, Brother, Mama, when, when Brother Tom says, in closing, that's a key that there's still 20 minutes to go. You know, she was teasing me about it. Well, this is really going to be shorter than 20 minutes. This is in closing, okay? Look at chapter 4, verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God And of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Notice verse 2, preach the word. That's not talking about Tom in a pulpit. It's talking about you proclaiming or heralding the message of Christ and to be ready to do it in every season, whether it's in season or out of season. Gang, if you've been in church for very long, you know there's seasons. We, we're entering a, for some reason, we're in a good season here. But we expected a good season in November. I have to tell you, I was a little depressed in November and December because I thought we would kick into a good season, and we didn't kick into a good season. But all of a sudden, Christmas came, and we're in a good season, but it doesn't make any difference to season. And you're going to have good seasons and bad seasons in your marriage. You're going to have good seasons and bad seasons in your life. And it doesn't make any difference. You preach the word in any season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. You see, the church is to do one thing, and that is herald the truth. And so by our lives and by our lips, we are to live and proclaim God's truth. And gang, that's all we have to offer the world. That's all we have. But it's enough. Because that's what God has said to us. That's what God has said. Let's bow our heads, okay? Barbara's going to come and we're going to have just a time of reflection. Maybe God has spoken to your heart about an area of your life or maybe you haven't been as faithful to the word as you know you should, and you want to make a fresh commitment to God.